Welcome into the All-22 Daily. I am Chris Lombardi, and I'm joined by Ray Cotto. We are moving from linebacker to cornerback, and Ray, I want you to kick it off. Yes, the fun the fun position in this class. The corners, so deep, top-heavy and deep, probably bottom-heavy too. I don't know if that's a real term, but this corner class is a lot of fun to scout, to watch, to study, and discuss. And maybe at the top of the fun list is uh, Emmanuel Forbes for many different reasons out of Mississippi state. So uh, Emmanuel Forbes, you've probably heard all the talk already tall corner about six foot and a half or actually a little over six foot and a half uh, super long wingspan, six foot seven wingspan, 32 and a quarter inch arms, which is great for a corner ran a four, th- uh, four, three, five, 40, uh, with a great 10 yard split as well with a 37 and a half inch vertical jump and a 10 foot four inch broad jump. The story on him though is only came in at 166 pounds. So that's, that's like a historic exception. He, he's not in the one percentile. He's in the zero percentile. I think he is the lightest corner ever to go to the NFL combine. So that's always going to give people pause because there's exceptions to the rule. And then there's one of a kind, which is, which is what you're talking about with Forbes here in this case. Right. But when you watch the player and you scout the player, it's fun. So the first thing you notice when you watch Emmanuel Forbes is, wow, he really is skinny. Um, but his hips are really loose. I was a little frustrated because I wanted to see more man coverage instead of zone, but Mississippi state, like 80% of the time uh, were they were in zone coverage. So there's not much tape on him uh, when it comes to playing man, but you see right away that he is fast at four, three, five shows on tape and he has good long strides. So again, he played mostly in zone and in zone, he gets it. He's a really smart zone player. We were talking yesterday about some linebackers and kind of questioning if the game comes naturally to certain players, the game comes really naturally to Emmanuel Forbes. He gets it. So, uh, and again, he started 34 games. So that experience kind of showed up uh, on his tape in 2022 as well. You see that sort of just cerebral, calm, smart player. Um, he's just masterful. Really. He is masterful, uh, in against Alabama, particularly he was high load at one point where they sent a corner out over the top from a wide receiver with the running back coming into the flat underneath and, uh, Forbes got depth and dropped into the window of the corner route, causing the quarterback to hold the ball and then go to the check down. And as the quarterback processes the check down to the running back, you see Forbes immediately trigger downhill and stop the pass for a short gain. It was maybe a two-yard uh, completion. It was. It's absolutely textbook. Too often, a corner will take a false step because they kind of see that eye candy at the corner of their eye, the running back going into the flat, and they kind of take a false step inward, and then they get beat over the top on that corner route. That's not Forbes at all. He played it exactly how you're taught and how it's supposed to be played. Uh, you know, again, getting into that deep window and then triggering downhill for the stop which is just, it's just phenomenal. And you see it all the time on tape. There was another play uh, where he was in uh, deep third and cover three. There was no receiver threatening his zone. uh, And he sort of carried a slot receiver running a deep post to the middle of the field and passing him off to the safety who had the deep middle. 
And it was just perfect because you see him scan the field to ensure that nobody's coming from the backside into his zone and that nobody is leaking. Either the running back or the tight end is sort of leaking from the line of scrimmage into his side of the field. And so once he completes the pass off, he then gets more depth and gets back into his third of the field. I mean, it's absolutely textbook. So whoever the corners coach is over there in Mississippi State is doing a heck of a job teaching their scheme because he is just very sound and very well coached when it comes to that. Um, another thing is, yes, he's skinny. He's 166 pounds, but I did not see him playing tentatively because of his size or his weight. So he was aggressive in coming up to make tackles. So the only time you really noticed that, oh yeah, he's 166 pounds was when he had to get off of blocks. That was where he struggled, which is probably to be expected, but all in all, it's what I anticipated, and he was better than I thought he would be when it comes to just straight tackling. It could be a bit hit and miss, but he's a feisty player, and you like to see that. He's not somebody that's just going to stay latched onto a block and just kind of let the play happen because you know he's sitting there looking pretty with his elbow bands on or anything like that. He does want to mix it up. So, uh, again, you don't see him playing tentatively because of his size or weight. So the question then becomes – do you care more about his length because he has an awesome wingspan and his wingspan and is a six foot plus corner? Or are you more worried about his frame not being able to put on any more weight and think that that could get him into trouble in the NFL? I think that's really the only question. Um, because even in man coverage, I mentioned they did not run a lot of man coverage uh, in that scheme. However, in man coverage this past season, he was targeted 15 times gave up three completions for 50 yards and had six interceptions and a pass breakup. So what is that over 40% of the time or 40% of the passes thrown his way in man coverage were picked off. I mean, it's so the tools are there. Um, in a few reps I did see in press man, his, his, his uh, technique was a little off. He basically, even when he had outside leverage, he would sort of bite on some fakes that threatened his leverage when he really didn't have to. He just had to stay patient and wait for the receiver to sort of commit to what they were running. Um, and so he gave him, he left himself in some sticky situations there, but I kind of chalked that up again to not being uh, asked to do that very often, but everything else I see on tape leads me to believe that if that's what he's asked to do based on his traits and everything else in his game, he will be able to pick that up. So Again, it's just a matter of are you so worried about that weight that you, you back off or do you think everything else sort of will take care of itself and that's what you lean on because he's a fun player to watch. He's someone that's just so easy to fall in love with. He really is. I could talk about him for hours. Never seen somebody with a zero percentile in mock draftables, so that was pretty cool to see because <laughs> uh, it really does like smack dab in the middle. It puts it right in the middle, which is neat. Uh, and I don't give a crap about it at all um, because the things I want my corner to do, like if he's not going to be the best run stopper, I, I I don't care, right? Like I, this is the NFL we're talking about. They throw the ball 60% of the time. Um, and he even on run plays, you know, it's rare that he's going to have to come up and really make a play. So I just, I just don't care. Um, and the reason I don't care is because I think he is so good at the things that he does well that and, and those things are really valuable that I just want him to do those things. Um, it's funny. I watched his tape and it reminded me so much of a, an old teammate of mine at Sacred Heart, this kid, uh, J.D. Roussel, who was an 
excellent corner. He was, um, he, he got a tryout for the Packers. Like he, he was, he was really good. And he had that same build. He was really long, super thin, um, and played a very similar defense. And what I see in Forbes is a lot of what I saw in him in that they use a very intelligence, intelligent way of playing with, with bait and switch, right? Like if they're running a corner route and then they have a curl coming in underneath, he's going to sell that he's guarding the the deep uh, corner and he's going to come down and make a play on the ball when when you eventually throw it to the curl. Something my, my buddy did really well. Forbes plays that incredibly well. He's one of the best anticipatory corners I've seen in this year's class. And it reminded me a lot of also like a guy like Sauce Gardner last year who we, we were all excited about, right? He was like, in my opinion, Sauce was the best corner I've seen on tape, you know, in some time, right? Like better than a Patrick Sertain. Forbes has a lot of that to his game. I think if if he wasn't weighing it at 160 something pounds, we'd be saying that he is that level of prospect, but he is 160 pounds. So we're not right. But again, I don't, I don't really care all that much about that, that weight, because I think if you're playing corner in today's NFL, it's, it's not that physical. Right. And there's so many of these receivers now, especially look at this class of receivers, right. There's barely any that are over 180 pounds. Like there's a lot, like the best receivers in this class are 170 pounds. Um, so it doesn't bother me all that much. Forbes, uh, you know, I think he's, he's a, he's a fighter. He's a battler. Uh, I, I love what he brings and, you know, I'm going to go out on a, I'll put my neck on the line and say, like, I am sold that he's going to be a first round pick and I want him to be a first round pick. Do you, do you see that happening? I would take him in the first round. Um, I really would. I, I think he's got the traits there. I mean, corners with six foot seven wingspans, are are pretty rare and they're very valuable and like i said he's he played mostly zone but his performance in man was great and he's got the man coverage traits as far as length loose hips and speed that, that's that's the check mark right there those are the, that's the base foundation for a man corner that you want to see and it's funny i used to think and i probably still do but i used to think it was easier to teach or coach up a defensive back in zone, right? Teach them the principles of zone, of pattern matching, when to pass off, when you know, when to get depth, so on and so forth. What are your what are your indicators and triggers and all that? But more and more as I study more and more of these players, I actually kind of think as long as you have the athletic traits, perhaps it's the other way to where I can turn you into a man corner as long as you can athletically hold up and do it. Because there is less thinking involved, right? It it really is primitively just don't let that guy get the ball. Just <laughs> don't let him get the ball. Chase him around. Uh, yes, there's obviously way more to it than that. But the more I watch and see athletic corners sort of be molded into uh, man coverage corners and, and, and do well at it, I'm kind of leaning that way um, moving forward. So I think Forbes sort of falls into that category where he definitely needs polish when it comes to that but he's got everything it takes to be great at it. So again, it's literally, he's got everything you're looking for, but are you worried that he's 166 pounds instead of 185? My freshman year, Ray, coach told us to rely on the veterans to learn the signs, right? If you see coach giving a sign, ask the veteran what that means for you so that you can learn it. I would go to some of the seniors and I'd be like, hey, what was that? They'd be like, dude, I play man every single play. They don't care what, right? Like there's just some players that like, you're right. Like it's when you're playing man coverage, 
there isn't that much thought that you need to put into it. You just need to be an athlete. And you, if you are an athlete, you'll be fine, right? There is so much nuance in playing zone corner. And you're right. Like it, it's, it physically, it's less difficult, but it takes a lot more cognitive ability. I remember I was listening to the, um, the founder of S2 speak with Sam Monson about like which guys score the best on that test, which guys does it really not matter for. And he was like, you know, defensive linemen, they don't really need it. Uh, offensive linemen don't really need it. Right. Cause you're doing kind of one thing. And he was like, yeah. And like corners, you know, it's more about the athletics, but I would actually challenge that and say, I think it's very probably different if you're looking at a zone corner versus a man corner. But a guy that can play zone corner in the build of a man cover corner with the speed of a man cover corner, the flexibility of a man cover corner, that's that's going to be successful, right? So first round pick. In my mind, that's where I want him. Yep. But okay, uh, I'm going to go completely opposite end of the spectrum in terms <laughs> of like what like build, and I'm going to go with Trey Tomlinson. He's another one of my favorite players in this year's class, so like one of my guys. Uh, he was a three-year starter at TCU. Another thing I love, just under 2,500 snaps, checks that box. Um, and he surprisingly played almost his entire career at outside corner. The reason that's so surprising is because he is 5'8", 178 pounds. So while um, your boy was 0% on weight, Trey is 1% on height. So he is just as small as the smallest corners that have ever played in the league. So we know one thing, he will not be a Seattle Seahawk. Uh, even at 5'8", he performed extremely well at outside corner. He is extremely sticky when mirroring routes. He runs well with receivers. Um, and actually, just as well as anyone I've ever seen, right, he's a great shadower. Um, and surprisingly, he's he's able to get his ball on the hands just as well as anybody I saw in this class. Uh, his arms are bottom one percentile, right? So he does not have length. But somehow, he's always making a play on the football. And I think it's because he is so sticky that he's just always in a great position to go and do that. Um, it also helps that he jumps out of a roof, but we'll get to that. Um, kid is electric. So uh, he's kind of like my comp for him is like a bolt of lightning, right? Once the ball is in the air, he is a bolt of lightning. He is going to go and get to that ball, no matter what, quicker than you can even see it. Uh, some guys are just so much quicker than everybody else that it looks like everybody else is moving in slow motion. And that's what you kind of see when you watch Trey. Um Let's keep going here. What else do I got on him? Uh, yeah, one, one of the other things that totally surprised me, there is tape on Trey of just him hitting people, right? So we're talking a 5'8 corner. He's under 180 pounds. There's been entire highlight tapes made of just him making hit sticks. Super fun to watch, right? That, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I did of not watch that, so yeah. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's not my concern either, but, you know, checks a box. This dude's tough as nails. And he was crazy enough. He was targeted very little at TCU his senior year. He was only targeted 81 times and he gave up the uh, second lowest completion rating in the country, 34.6%. So that's huge. Right. And he had real matchups the end of the year, right? He had two playoff games against Michigan and Georgia. And what did he do in those games? He gave up two catches on 11 targets. That's it. One of those catches went for a 37-yard touchdown that they assigned to him in PFF grading. But in reality, it was a blown coverage. He was nowhere near the play. Could have been his responsibility, yes. Maybe it was a, it was a mental mistake. But I did not see a physical lapse when he was going against the talent on those two teams, which is, again, the best you're going to see in the country. Uh, his combat numbers, bonkers. 
uh, because of how small he is. Yeah, they better you know, be. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're bonkers. So bottom five percentile on almost every measurable in terms of like physical, like height, weight, arm length, size, that kind of stuff. But he's top 80 or 90 percentile on everything athletic. Tell me, Ray, how does a guy that's 5'8 have a 132-inch broad jump? It just doesn't even sim- seem like physically possible, right? He is so much fun to watch, this kid. So what I think is a team just needs to take a, a, a chance on him, put him on the field, let him just go and play football. We talked about Forbes maybe being more of that intellectual, you know, he's going to go out there and be able to use nuance and use anticipation and some of his intelligence to make plays. I'm not saying Tomlinson can't do that. I don't want him to do that. Just let him go out there, play man corner, and just be the physical freak that he is. Um, I do see him becoming more of like a slot corner in the NFL, but I think he could stick with any of the sticky, shifty route runners that that are in the league today. Yeah, it's funny with with Tomlinson. So I didn't have to look up his number before studying him because I just knew right away by looking at the small guy on the field before – actually hitting play. And of course I was exactly correct. He was the small guy on the field. Um, I worry one play in particular worried me about him because there's a few, there's a, a lot of things that I liked about him when watching, when you put aside the whole, okay, he's five, eight, one seventy eight. What's his fit going to be in the NFL? Who's going to take a chance on him? All, all that sort of stuff. Right. So I'll talk about the good first. I like that he plays like he should when you're quicker and faster and much smaller than your opponent, right? He stays on top of the route on the outside shoulder of the receiver. And then when targeted, when the ball's in the air, he will then beat the wide receiver to the spot and undercut the route then after, right? He'll just basically get there first, which which is what you want, right? A lot of people think when you're quicker and faster and, and, and maybe smaller that you should... Uh, always be in sort of a trail technique because you could catch up with recovery speed that trust me, that's not the way to do it, especially nowadays in the NFL um, with the way that these quarterbacks are placing passes on over outside shoulders. That's just not the way you want to play it. You want to stay on top of that route and then break on the ball and just beat the receiver to it, which he does very well in off coverage. When, when I watched him against Xavier worthy in Texas, there was one play that stood out to me that made me worry, and that was a pass interference he got in press man. Uh, it was a fade route in the red zone, and he just didn't look comfortable. He didn't he didn't get hands on him and just kind of panicked as soon as the ball was in the air, was just out of phase, put his head down. And that to me is a red flag because I want someone who's comfortable, who's comfortable with the ball in the air and in those sorts of situations when he is on an island. So I wondered in that case, okay, do I have to only play him an off man where he can use his speed to make up for positioning on the field and win that way? Because that could limit him some and limit his upside at the next level. So is he someone who just won't be comfortable enough or able to play uh, press man in the NFL once he's when once everyone is mostly as quick and fast as he is, but he's also giving up sort of the size advantage there too? It made me pause. Outside of that, I'm a big fan of his game pretty much everywhere else. Right. And I think all of that's fair. Um, I think if you, you know, us being those smaller corners, right, we watch a guy like him and it's relatable. Um, It's the stuff that we need to do when we're on the field to try to compete with some of the larger players that are out there. When I watch a guy like Forbes, it's more like, man, I wish I could be that, right? Like I wish physically I was, I was as, 
gifted as he is, as tall, as quick as he is. But Tomlinson's a little bit more relatable to us. Um, I, I see Asante Samuel going, I think it was pick 46 in his draft, 46 or 47. And I think that's probably a realistic spot for Tomlinson. I think Tomlinson is a more explosive playmaker than Samuel was, but I think that's kind of the range we're going to maybe see him go in. Would you, would you agree with that? Or do you think it's I think later? a little less. I think I might have him around the seventies. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think it's, I think it's, yeah. And, and he, he's a better pure player than, than some guys will be taken before him, but projection wise that might, you know, his limitations might drop him down that low. Okay. All right. So tell me about uh, Cam Smith. So yeah, Cam Smith kind of fun to watch if you did it right after Emmanuel Forbes. So um, he's aggressive in press and I kind of wished when I was watching him that Mississippi state played their corners like this. So I could get a more well-rounded view on Forbes. They had a good balance between uh, press man, off man and zone coverage um, in their schemes. Um, so I have here, he's good in press coverage and also in coming down to blow up screens. So he's aggressive then, but in the run game, he looks soft. He's soft to get off blocks, late to get off blocks. Doesn't look very interested in mixing it up. Uh, in man, aside from press coverage, he's very good at maintaining his leverage. So even if he's an off man and he has inside leverage and you're trying to run a dig or an inside route, he will not let you cross his face. He will get hip to hip and just disrupt the pass almost every time. He's very good at maintaining his leverage. And downfield, he does a fantastic job of squeezing receivers to the sideline and maintaining strong body positioning. Uh, and if he, maybe let's say he starts to play with outside leverage, I saw this a lot in some deep third zone coverage too, um, he will run the route for a receiver uh, if, he, if he is not starting with inside leverage. So I think a big strength in his game is body positioning. He uses body positioning very well, and that's how he wins. He's not four, three, five. I actually, I didn't even mention his combine numbers. I'll probably have to look them up now right here in my notes real quick. Um, but on tape, he's not a four, three, five guy like Emmanuel Forbes. He does not have a six foot seven wingspan for sure on tape. So um, he just has to win in other ways, which he does with that body positioning. He's very good at that. Um, where I saw some weakness in his coverage game was if the play is extended or he has to carry a receiver for a longer period of time, he could get a bit grabby. I normally don't like that. And well, I don't like that, but JC Horn was the same way, probably to an even greater extent. So it's definitely something he'll have to clean up because it will get called in the NFL and he can sometimes lose the receiver and not anticipate as well as others might. Uh, against Clemson, for example, there was a play where the quarterback sort of rolled out to the right his receiver ran a quick out route. And then as the play was extended, he then, you know, sort of shot up field uh, and basically converted his route to an out and up. And Smith didn't quite feel that like some other corners might and should. And he gave up a deep pass downfield as a result. Um, again, once that play is sort of extended and you have that sort of lapse when that quarterback is breaking the pocket, you, you have to stay on top of the receiver in that instance. He's already near the sideline. Stay on top of him and squeeze him in that instance and don't let him turn up field because that is a big play waiting to happen. Uh, in zone specifically, like I mentioned, he will win with body positioning, but he's not quite as natural as Forbes when it comes to knowing when to trigger and, and seeing routes develop and making a play uh, as a result. It's not a weakness by any stretch, but 
you do see the difference in someone who's as advanced in that as Forbes is versus someone like Cam Smith, who is just fine, sort of what you would expect to see from a corner uh, coming from a big time program, but he's not the upper echelon when it comes to that. So uh, to sum it up, he's got good size, fast enough. He's a high level defender who's aggressive in everything he does except take on blocks and tackle in the run game. So four four three speed, just just to give you that number. Um, so he's quick. He's not. He's definitely not as quick, but he's quick. I think you mentioned it. It's not my favorite type of corner. Like if I if I'm picking, if I had my choice of anybody, he's you know that's not my type of guy that I would choose. And I'm I'm kind of helmet scouting when I say this, but it did remind me a little bit of like J.C. Horn um, in the way they play football because they are overly. Uh, handsy when they when they're running routes with you and i think uh you know when you're when you're six foot 180 pounds you don't necessarily have to play football that way and i kind of wish he didn't but it shows me that maybe he doesn't have like the grace that an emmanuel forbes has right um or a sauce gardener like when you're comparing those kind of guys like um they have much more grace in the way they play the corner position and i think the corner positions the top guys have grace right they play it like freaking ballerinas sometimes because they're so um just smooth and and uh and, and yeah smooth i'll leave it at that cam smith is a good football player though and he's a guy that you let, I, like i would love to have a guy like that on my team as my number two corner um uh, i don't want him to be my number one because i don't think he can match up with some of the shiftier corners in the nfl uh, sorry the shiftier receivers in the nfl um but I do like him, and I think I was having a little bit of trouble because I th- I do think a team will take him in the second round. But like, where I would take Trey Tomlinson in the second round because I think he could be a lead at what he's asked to do. I would not take Cam Smith in the second round because I don't think he can be a lead at what I would want him to do. Although he might be able to play a more important position on my team. Wow. So, so you're on the clock in the middle, middle of the second round, you're taking Tomlinson first. I mean, it totally depends on what my team has, but yeah, probably like if I have a number one corner, you know, I have sauce or I have Sertan as my number one corner, I'm taking Trey over Cam Smith. Yes. But if I have nothing and like I waited to this point to draft my first corner, I would want Cam Smith because I think Cam Smith can line up and be okay in the number one corner position where I would not want Trey to have to be that guy. Right. Like I don't want Trey going against DK Metcalf. That would be disastrous. Right. But, um, Cam Smith, while like he probably won't win, I think he could at least hold his own. That's kind of fair. I still think I'm just not taking Tomlinson over Smith. (laughs) Just period. But it's fun. Um, but fair enough, I guess. So go ahead. Tell me about, tell me about, uh, your other boy here. Garrett, Will- Garrett Williams, I will start this by saying I watched him or initially, and I loved him, thought he was a lot of fun. And then we went and did this exercise where you made me rewatch some players that I didn't pay as much attention to that I like way more than Garrett Will- Williams. Uh, they're just way more fun to watch. They're exciting. His game is a little bit more vanilla and there's not necessarily something wrong with that. It's just not as exciting, right? So I'll uh, I'll try to I'll try to keep it exciting, but he's coming off of an ACL. He tore his ACL his uh, this this past season, and he ended up missing the end of the season, which didn't allow him to participate in any of the combine stuff. Which again, super disappointing. And it might be a knock on him for some teams if he's not able to you know 
uh, attend the preseason stuff and, and he might not be ready for week one, like stuff like that. That'll definitely end up making him slide down draft boards. Uh, but he started as a true freshman, right? Coming out of Syracuse, it's not a school that won't let a guy play. They let him play true freshman starting. Uh, and he ended up playing all three years before that injury happened. And he play, played primarily from the outside. Uh, and his coverage grades were 60s and 70s. So nothing that blew me away, but it's it's respectable. Uh, he was rarely targeted. Uh, that's another kind of, you know, if you're playing schools like he played UConn, they're just going to attack the other guy. If if there's an NFL talent on one side, I'm, not, I'm just not going to go that way. And that's what a lot of teams did against him. So he only gave up 253 yards this year, 379 last year. The weird thing to me is that he gave up a co completion percentage of 66.7, right? For reference, before we talked about Trey, gave up, I think it's in the 30s, 30, I don't have it in front of me, but say 37%. Yeah, in the 30s, it was it was it was much much lower, almost half, right? So it's a pretty big discrepancy, especially the fact that he's playing lesser competition than a guy like Trey did, um, and he's not really the biggest guy either. He's 5'10", 192 pounds. It's it's fine. It's decent height weight, but it's not. He's not the biggest dude on the field. 31 inch arms, uh, plays much longer than that though. So getting to his game now, his ability to poke the ball away from receivers kind of looked like. A circus act at times it was pretty cool because it looked like his body like he's ex extending his arm away from his frame in a way that doesn't look natural um and i love that about his game and it helps him again play out wide when he's not necessarily the biggest dude out there um he can be fooled he can be fooled by more shifty receivers i saw that happen quite a bit um and he gets handsy when he has to play more uh shifty receivers again something that's going to result in some penalties and I was, I was trying not to say all this about Cam Smith, but it's similar stuff to what you were saying is they're a little bit too physical with their hands. Stuff like that's going to get called at the next level. And I'd like to see him be less aggressive with his hands and use his athleticism because I think he has that athleticism, although he wasn't able to prove it at the combine. Um, he's another guy I kind of see as that round two lock because while he, I wouldn't want him to get, again be the number one for all the same reasons I said it uh, about Cam Smith. I think he would be a very, very, very good number two uh, corner because of the way he's able to play man and put his hands on the football and keep it away from the defenders. Uh, I, again, I would see him playing against a guy like Tyreek Hill and just getting absolutely smoked. Like, I think that there's going to be matchups where he's just not able to compete. Um, and then I also see him struggling potentially against guys like Jefferson and Cooper Cup where I saw him have the most success was against some of the bigger receivers. Uh, even though he's not the biggest corner, sometimes, you know, uh, some guys struggle against shiftiness and they play well against slower, bigger receivers. And that's, that's fine. You know, at least you know what he is. Um, so again, I want him to be my number two corner. I want to be able to have that flexibility. And he reminds me a lot of a guy I liked in the 2021 draft who I did not think was a first round talent, but went in the first round and Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. And I think they have very similar games. Uh, and now being able to see what Newsom has done in the NFL across from Denzel Ward for the Browns, he's had success. You know, again, he's not a number one corner, just like I don't think this guy's a number one corner. But if he's your number two guy, he will have a lot of success for you. Okay, you're definitely higher on him than I am. Um, I think he's a really sound player, but I had concerns with how quick he transitions from his pedal to breaking on the ball. Um, 
Purdue in particular, I watched and I was interested in Purdue because they had Charlie Jones, who's like just a volume, just sort of bouncy, pesky, just an annoying cover for anybody. And I wanted to see how he'd match up. And it wasn't a an, an all-game type matchup for him. But I thought there were a lot of plays where um, the ball was caught in front of him. And he either gave up too much ground in his pedal or was not quick enough to transition and make a play on the ball. Um, he's smart. I, I like his technique, I like how he played. There was nothing technical that was wrong. I just watched that game and went, okay, this is a good college player. This, this is a really good college player. He's a leader on this defense. But if I'm envisioning, I don't know, name your receiver on the other side uh, across from him, it doesn't even have to be someone fantastic or all world, but uh, I don't know, Mike, Mike, Mike Williams. This guy's only 5'10", 190 pounds, and he's got 31-inch arms, so he's kind of on the the shorter side when it comes to just length overall. So can he win against those types of receivers, let alone the the, the quicker types that that are out there um, that, you know, get, get yak and, you know, a CeeDee Lamb of the world, for example, right? How is he doing it? Something like that? I know you're not getting him as your number one corner per se, but offensive coordinators are going to find him and they're going to try to find that matchup on the field. So I look at him and almost went, this is, this is a potential nickelback for you, but is he quick enough downhill to be great in that role and hold down a spot for several years? Or is it someone who's going to, again, just sort of get passed by and, and we don't know because a we don't have athletic testing numbers on him, and b we don't know how he's going to look after the the knee injury. We do know that in twenty twenty three he's not going to be one hundred percent regardless. So mm-hmm. he's basically looking at a redshirt year already. Two years from now, you know things change quick in the NFL. Do they does does whoever draft him have a long term plan for him? It's just extra question marks in a class at his position that's very deep with talent and different types of talented corners too. It's not just great tall corners or great slots. This class has everything you're looking for. So it's going to be real easy for teams to pass on this guy next week when when their pick is up and he could slide down boards. And if he slides down boards, team's got less of an investment in him. And if he's not on the field right away, you could just see how things get a little dicey there. So uh, I, I like how he plays and I was kind of rooting for him, but I got too many questions to feel comfortable with him. Sure. And I wonder if some of that concern is that he just didn't face enough of that level of talent. He played a lot of small schools, right? And, and, you know, I was looking and he played Wagner, right? Like he, he didn't play, you Did know, you in Ohio. Yeah. Sacred Heart plays Wagner. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying that. Yeah. yeah a hundred percent. And there that's, that's valid. Right. And I think that that's, kind of, uh, you know, it could have been even just shock for him, right? When you go from playing all these small schools and then you go and play, you know, NFL talent, it's going to be shocking, right? And I think that might happen to him his first year in the NFL. So I wouldn't hate it if a team used him in nickel as a rookie. But I think that he showed me enough that he can develop into something better than that. And I think teams will see that as well. Um, Another comment you made about just how deep this cornerback class is and how there's going to be people to choose above a guy like him. I agree with you. 
But I also think that that might be the position and the fact that it's a strength, meaning that there'll be maybe seven or eight corners taken in the first 45 picks. And I said that about edge too, right? Like I think this is such a deep edge class that there could end up being eight to 10 edge players taken in the first 45 picks. Could that happen at corner too? Because corner is a really valuable position as well. I don't think this is a year where you have tackles and receivers. So, you know, while in the past three, four years, we've been seeing like six, six receivers taken in the first round. I don't think that's happening this year. Same thing with tackle. I don't think that's happening this year. So who's going to fill those spots? I think it's corners and I think it's edge rushers. When I started to make my like big board, that's kind of what I saw. So you saying, you know, oh, I might pass up on a guy because there's so many guys. Well, what if all those guys go in the first round, right? Instead of six receivers being taken, maybe there's six corners taken. Maybe there's seven edge rushers taken. And maybe a guy like Garrett Wilson, Williams is the best you're going to have at pick 45. Well, trust if I'm in charge, I'm already good at corner. But believe that. So that's that's number one. Um, it's it's fair, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I think I agree. There's going to be runs on corners because, like I said, these guys are good, and it's it's yeah. going to be hard if you're in a war room and you're looking at that board to justify going with. Uh, tight end's probably not a good example because that's a pretty deep position group too. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, here's the fifth offensive tackle on our board. Once you get past someone like uh, Matthew Burgesson or something at tackle. Um, Bergeron it's you're looking pretty thin there you're gonna you're gonna be reaching so they might pivot to corner I, I think that I think that's fair uh but again we'll see and again another thing we're not pivy to is the actual medicals right what does that knee look like how is it healing right. these teams know that we don't so similar to what we mentioned with I think it was Brian Bercy a couple episodes ago if he does start to slip too it could be one of those situations where you're looking around going okay so what's the issue here probably medical and that might that might also be why he's not getting taken. So it's just one of those where you have to see kind of how how the chips fall uh, next week, and then from there we can kind of assess. Okay, so where does this guy fall in our all twenty two plans? Because there's a lot that's still left to happen, man. There really is. And tomorrow, let's wrap up the defense. We're going to talk about safety, and then we're going to do our positional rankings again, right? Uh, next week's going to be a lot of fun. We have a lot of stuff to discuss for next week, but we'll we'll kind of save that because it'll be we'll let it be a surprise. So thank you everyone for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a, a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all22 underscore PFF. And then leave us a review wherever you listen or watch your podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in. I love